Good. Well, we'll have a message this morning, and I pray that the Lord will help me give it to you uh, so you can receive it. Because I think it's an important message, um, and I really want you to get what I'm sharing, if, if you can. So I'm just asking the Lord to give me grace to, to share it with you so you can receive it. Um, but it's, it's a continuation of the message I spoke to you last week about the Lord's Prayer and about that being the thing that the God really wants to, to release towards us. And I want to just begin by reading in Matthew 6. I want to read verse 5 through 9. This is the um, Jesus' words before he gave the Lord's Prayer, what we call the model prayer. So, and this is from the Message Bible. So stick that up there, Drew. It says, when you come before God, all right, in other words, we're talking about coming before God to prayer, okay? Don't turn into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and then and you will begin to sense His grace. Amen? When we get to focus off ourselves, the grace of God starts. We can tell us there. We can, that's how you connect with the grace of God. You've got to quit looking at yourself. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. That's, that's a pretty stiff statement. They're full of formulas and programs and advice peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows you better than you than you better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this, our Father in heaven reveal yourself to me. I love what he said, with a God like this loving you. And that's really, you know, if you were here last week, what I shared, the revelation of the Father heart of God, how massively important that is for every believer to understand that that God is is our Father and that God really loves us and really cares about us as a loving Father. That's really the thing that really releases you to really pray the way God really wants you to pray. And it's not... And you, and you begin to realize that prayer is not a discipline. You may, be, you may need some discipline to pray, okay? But prayer itself is not a discipline. Prayer is meant to serve us. We're not meant to serve prayer, okay? Prayer is meant to serve us. It's something for us. It helps us. It blesses us. It encourages us. So we don't have to feel like we've got to pray X amount of time and you know, blah, 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 all the formers and programs and advice. It's a communication with the Lord. And really what this prayer, which I think is just a marvelous prayer in the Bible, or it wouldn't be there, it's about revealing the extravagant heart of God towards people. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. It's about revealing His extravagant heart towards us. And one of the things that the Lord really wants us to know about Him is that phrase, I'm going to put the phrase together, Our Father in Heaven. That's really what this prayer is trying to reveal to us. Now, it doesn't, that's not just telling us where God is, okay? That's not what Jesus was trying to, to, 
to get across to us that, well, we just got a God up here in heaven. But really what he was trying to say to us is he was trying to reveal the nature and character of God uh, as, as being heavenly. The nature and character of God being heavenly. And because God is our Father, then we also have His nature in us. You got that? Now that's what Jesus was trying to get right from the very beginning. He wants us to see that God's nature as a Father, as a heavenly Father, as a heavenly being, as a heavenly person, that nature is inside of us. His DNA. I wish I would have you know, been a good guy in college when they studied DNA, but I wasn't. But we all know what DNA is. It is what determines your, it's your genetic code is in your DNA. It determines your race. It determines your color of your eyes, whether you have hair when you get 50 or not. You know, somebody messed up with my DNA. <laughs> it cheated me. All these things has a lot to do with our personality. I can tell you, uh, my granddaughter is six months old, but I can see a lot of her daddy. She's very strong-willed, stubborn, bullheaded, <laughs> just like her daddy. <laughs> and she got that from her daddy. And what God wants us to see about this prayer is God wants us to see that we have a heavenly DNA in us. We have something of heaven in us. Are you with me so far? Um, this is what Paul, or, okay, this is what uh, whoever wrote Hebrews said. Therefore, holy, Hebrews 3, 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Partakers. We're partakers of something heavenly. Just like Micaiah is a partaker of her parents' history, their heritage. That's why she looks like Amy. She's a partaker of something. Paul said, something, said this about the calling. He called it the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what our call is. It's upward. It's not here. It's up. It's an upward call. It's going up. That's why he said, listen... I've not gotten there yet, but I'm pressing into that. I'm going after this upward call. That's my vision. That's my goal for my life is this upward thing. I'm going after this all my life. That's the thing I'm going to pursue. See that thing grow and, and it manifest itself in much greater ways to me. That's why Paul said in Colossians 3, 2, Set your mind on things above. On things above. Not on things on the earth. That's what he's saying. This is where we're, we're, we're up here. We're supposed to be going up there. Most sincere Christians are not what I would call worldly Christians. Most people who really want to follow the Lord, they're not trying to live in the world. They're not trying to live a worldly life. Okay? They're not, for the, for the most part, they're not out trying to sin. Some of them do sin, but they're not trying to. They don't want to even, and a lot of them who sin don't want to sin. Okay? They won't this heavenly thing. Most sincere Christians, they want it. They, they have a hunger for this world, this spiritual world. Yet they feel like they're not of this world here and they're not of that world there. They're sort of caught in between the two worlds. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people like that, caught in between the two worlds. They don't know how to live. They know how to live in this world, 
They grew up as a sinner. They knew they knew they're really well versed in how to do all that. But they don't want to do that. They want to live in this spiritual world, this spiritual climate. They desire it. It's a hunger in their hearts because God put that hunger. That's part of His DNA. But many of them are stuck here in the in between, and so they wind up not really being able to walk things out. And I wanted to just read some verses out of the book of Ephesians. And what I want you to see about the book of Ephesians, if you study every one of Paul's letters, like the letters to the Corinthians, he was addressing problems. In that particular he was addressing Christians being carnal and immature, <laughs> and they're fighting and carrying on, using spiritual gifts wrongly, and so on and so forth. Uh, book of Galatians, he was talking to the Galatian churches about their legalism. He was trying to... Uh, the, the book of Timothy, first and second Timothy, he was talking to a pastor, trying to encourage him to deal with uh, people who were, who were uh, betraying him and how he needs to find new leadership in his church. He was re- but Ephesians is different from every one of those letters because he does not address, address any problem in Ephesians. Paul shares in Ephesians his vision for Christianity. He shares this is the way Christianity is really meant to be this is the way you're meant to live it. And that's his, that's his vision. That's his goal. And I want to read a few things that he says this morning to you about our Christianity and what the Bible really says, the way we're to live Christianity. So we can, you know, agree with the Bible, agree with the Word of God, and, and you know, go from there. The first one is Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God... And, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. Say in the heavenly places. In Christ. In other words, what Paul was saying to us as Christians, all the blessings that you want, all the blessings you need, they are in the heavenly places. That's where those blessings are. That's where you get those blessings from, is the heavenly places. So Paul, being the man he was, thought, hey, that's why we need to set our minds on things above, because that's where the blessings are. I want the blessings, right? There's nothing wrong. We need to be blessed. So if we're going to, have the blessed, the, the, if we're going to receive those blessings, we need to know where to go get them. So I'm here to tell you this morning, if you want to be blessed in your life, if you have financial needs, Whatever you need, I can tell you where it's at. It's in the heavenly places in Christ. And that's where you need to go get it. If you have a need this morning, that's where that need's at. That's where the, meet, the, the need can be met. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Don't sit there and look at me like I'm, like, you know, with unbelief. I'm telling you what the Bible said. Okay? So I have a good ground to stand on this morning. Because I want to combat unbelief. So I want to go after your unbelief and skepticism this morning. I'm telling you what the Scripture says. Ephesians 1.20 He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand, where? In the heavenly places. So, that's where Jesus is at. Jesus Christ is in the heavenly places. And if you really want to have real fellowship with God, and you really want to be close to God, there's one place, there's only one place you can be really find that true fellowship with Him. It's where? It's in the heavenly places. That's where it's at. That's where you go to have fellowship with God. That's where you go to have communion with God is in the heavenly places. Are y'all with me? Come on now. Yeah. 
So if you want to spend time with the Lord, go to the heavenly places. You've got to go there. That's where he's at. You know? Are you with me? If you want to spend time with me at certain times of the day, I can tell you where I'm at and you can come spend time with me. You know? If somebody wanted to spend time with me on Sunday morning at 12 o'clock, they would need to come here because that's where I'm at. So if we really want to spend time with Jesus Christ, spend time with Him, you need to go to where He's at. Okay? All right, now this is the cool thing about this. Okay, Ephesians 2, verse 5 through 6. It says, When we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Amen? When we were dead in trespasses, when we were sinners, He saved us. By grace, you have been saved. That's awesome, isn't it? When we were just a bunch of old crummy sinners out there, God saved us, made us alive with Him. You know, we died with Him, we were raised with Him, made us alive with Him. So we're walking around here on this earth made alive in Christ. That's the problem. Is many Christians stop, stop right there. They stop. Oh, I'm alive in Christ. Well, great. But that's not all. God has more for you. And then it says He raised us up together. Okay? Now, He's not just talking about raising us up from the dead right there. He's taking it to the next level. Okay? He raised us up together and made... Everybody say made. Made Made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. In other words, what he's saying, God made a determination. When you gave your life to Him and you really, you know, turned yourself around, He grabbed you and said, Great, I've got you now. I'm taking you where I am. He made us go there. He didn't give us the option of being anywhere else. This is where He said He put us. We're there. Whether you believe it or not this morning, you're right there in the heavenly places with the Lord. That's what it says. You've got to see this. You've got to hear what I'm saying to you this morning. That's where you really are. You're not really here. You're really there. The real part of you, the real you, is in the heavenly places. You hear what I'm saying to you? Because you know what? When we die, the real part of us stays alive. The real part of us. The real me. The real you. And that real person is with Christ in the heavenly places. Seated seated right there. Okay, Ephesians 3.10. Everybody good so far? All right, now. It says, to the intent that now... Everybody say now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but now, right now. The manifold wisdom of God. It means the diverse, many-colored, many variations of God's wisdom might be made known by who? The church, by, by us, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. In other words, what it's saying there, if there's really any true ministry, that's where it's going to be, it starts there. That's why good causes and good ideals and good concepts and, you know, nice Christian things don't work. Because if it didn't start there, it's no good. And that's really where all true ministry begins. It begins in the heavenly places. It doesn't begin on earth. It begins there. It doesn't begin in the heart of man. It begins in God's heart. And that's where it's at. Everybody okay so far? All right. The last thing out of Ephesians. It says, we, Ephesians 6:12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. That's what we're wrestling against. In other words, I am not trying to wrestle with Daniel Stein today. Because if I did, I would whip him. <laughs> he would lose. So I don't want to have to beat somebody. I, can, I don't want to have to wrestle somebody I can 
beat. I want to wrestle someone I can't beat. It makes me better. Right? So, you know, I wouldn't mess with Daniel. Look how big his arms are. That rascal grabbing me. But we don't wrestle against these things here. We're not supposed to anyway. But we wrestle against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so that's really when he talked about the prayer warriors earlier. See, if you're going to go to war as a Christian, your warfare has to be in the heavens. It cannot be on this earth. If you're fighting somebody, you are missing God. If you have, you know, if you're warring against somebody, you, it's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to fight in the heavenlies. And if you have a difficulty with a person or situation in your life, the best way to overcome that difficulty is fight it in the heavens. And that's where you can win that battle. You either win that battle or lose that battle based on what you do in the spiritual realm. So, um, I wanted to... I read those scriptures to you so you can understand that I'm not trying to tell you from this point anything that's not biblical. Um, first, I want to talk to you. I want to apply this. I want to talk to you about unbelief. Okay? I want to talk to you about unbelief, and then I want to talk to you about the, the fight thing. Okay? I think those are two things that hurt us. Um, someone said, I don't know who said it actually, we are not earthly beings having an occasional spiritual experience. We are spiritual be beings having an earthly experience. You got that? We are not earthly beings having an occasional spiritual experience. Yet, many of you in this room, that's your life. You are, you are living like that. You're living like a person who every once in a while, maybe, however, you have a spiritual experience. But that is not the way God, that's not who you really are. You are a spiritual person that's having an earthly experience. There's a big difference. Okay? One of the things that happened, uh, there was a movement that happened in the late 1700s. It started in Paris, France, of all places. And they called it the Enlightenment Movement. That was the name of this movement, the Enlightenment Movement. Okay? And this is what the Enlightenment Movement believed. They believed that human reason could be used to combat ignorance, superstition, and tyranny, and to build a better world. That's what they, they believe reason. Let me just say that one more time. This sounds so good. They believed human reason could be used to combat ignorance. That's a bad thing. Ignorance, superstition, that's a bad thing, right? And tyranny, all three of those things are bad things, and build a better world. First of all, the first thing when I read that, I thought, that's just a Tower of Babel that happened back in the late 1700s all over again. Their principal targets were religion. Okay? Their now, I'm saying, listen, their principal target was religion. It was not religion in the bad way. Okay? Their principal target was Christianity. Okay? That was their principal target. This is what one of the people said... Okay, about the Enlightenment movement. This is one reason that Americans should study Enlightenment. It is in their bones. It has defined part of what they have dreamed of and what they aim to become. 
In other words, what he was saying, the Enlightenment movement started in Europe, and eventually it moved to the people who came, moved over to England, and those people are the ones who came to America and started this nation. And they had this thing in them, this thing we call reason, human reason. And this person was saying as a good thing, you need to study it because that's who you really are as an American. You're a person who came from this movement, this Enlightenment movement. Let me give you the, the best example that, that came up this uh, week at Christ School of Ministry. Uh, I was sharing a testimony that I heard Randy Clark give about a healing that took place in the nation of Brazil. And that he was involved with this healing. He prayed. He he and some. He was at a crusade. He prayed for a, a lady who had a, a a grapefruit-sized tumor in her belly during the crusade. And as they were praying for this woman, this grapefruit-sized tumor fell down out from under her dress onto the ground. And he said it was nasty and it stunk. That was what he said about it. So they took you know and had ushers and people who helped clean up the grapefruit-sized tumor that fell out of her belly, and the lady took her off to the restroom to help her, you know, take care of herself. So the next night, Randy Clark calls this woman up before the crusade for her to give testimony about God's healing power, because she was healed of a tumor that was killing her. A grapefruit-sized tumor would probably do you in pretty quick. And Randy was saying, I presume this tumor... When the Lord healed you, you're, you know, it just fell down your female plumbing you know, and fell onto the floor. That's sort of what he said. To be, you, know, you get the picture. Okay? But she said, no, that's not what happened. And he said, well, what do you mean? She said, this is what really happened. My stomach lining unzipped, opened up. This tumor popped out and fell. My stomach was zipped back up and closed. Yeah. Randy Clark saying, I was there. I saw her healed. That's what she said. I'm having a hard time believing it. Okay? He was talking about unbelief. Jim Hill, who's in the class, says, for a Brazilian, that was easy for them to believe that. They didn't doubt it a bit. But because we as Americans who have been affected by things like this Enlightenment movement, when we hear something like that, our first thought is to not believe it. So when we hear about supernatural things, we, don't, we automatically have disbelief in us. Where the Brazilian nation of people and other nations, they don't have that problem that we have because they were not touched by this, quote, Enlightenment movement. You see what I'm saying to you this morning? How we've been affected by something that makes us automatically not believe something supernatural. Are you with me? Un called unbelief. All right, here's another great example. <laughs> I've been sharing this with everybody. I can't... There was this song, okay, that really... And I don't really get touched by songs much. But this one really got me good. Becky was telling me about this song called Fly, okay? And she says, this song, they captured angels on this song, singing. You can actually hear the angels. And we were looking for it and couldn't find it for a couple of days, you know, trying to find it where it was at and, you know, messing around. And so I was in this situation where I had to do some ministry, okay? 
And I got my brains beat out. That's the way I felt when I got through. I thought, good Lord, I have just been in the biggest fight of my life. And I felt so defeated when I got through. So discouraged. So disillusioned. Because I felt like they was, for every word I said, I had to fight for those words. And I felt like they were coming against, there was something coming against me. So we went, I went home and just to distract me from my feelings that were just killing me, I started looking for that song, just to have something to do, get, you know, occupy myself. And finally I got the song, and it, you know, we messed around and got it downloaded on a legal website, but Philip was telling me, well, it may not be quite legal, Dad. He just told me that it's legal in England, but maybe not in America. So I've been going around telling everybody, yeah, you can get it if you get LimeWire. Found out LimeWire ain't quite Americanized. Anyways, I got this song, Too Late. I didn't know. I got this song. We started listening to this song. Okay? And I had this experience with the Lord when I listened to it. Okay? I went from being discouraged, disillusioned, depressed, and defeated feeling to I felt like I was on top of the world. This, but this is what I, when I'm saying I felt like I was on top of the world. When I heard it, something inside of me said this. That's the world I created you for. That's it, and it caused all of a sudden it caused life to flow. Yes, that is the world. And see, I had forgotten. You know, there's a story about eagles, and this is true about eagles. They say eagles can forget their eagles. At some point in their life, eagles will get, especially get around chicken houses. They get to hanging around with chickens, and they say an eagle will live like a chicken. He'll eat worms and grub around the ground like chickens until other eagles come to it and say. You know, what are you doing? They'll, they'll get, catch rats and stuff and throw at it to get it to eat the meat, to get it to remember this is who you really are. And the eagle can remember who he is and realize, what am I doing down here scratching around like an idiot? <laughs> and that's the way that song made me feel. Oh, yeah, I'm not that. This is what I am. I'm this. I'm spiritual. That world that I heard for a few seconds is the world that I've been designed to live from. It's that thing I just read to you. It's the heavenly place. And it was so real to me that I suddenly walked and stepped into that heavenly place. I was there. I was alive. I wasn't dead anymore. I wasn't defeated anymore. I wasn't depressed anymore. Because I had become who I was suddenly, who I really was. I got reconnected with real life, the real thing. Anyways, the song... The guy was at a church or somewhere doing this song, and the, there was a, a young kid in the audience who came up to him after it was over with and said, Hey, I saw there's a couple of angels up there on the stage with you. One was standing right behind you, and another one was standing next to the drummer. And he said this, I didn't believe it. That's what the guy, Jason, up there said, I didn't believe that. Okay, that was his first thought. So he goes, you know, when they do all the mixing, and they heard this voice on the CD, on the t- on it. And at first they said we thought it was some bleed over from, from somewhere. It wasn't real. It was just noise. But they isolated it down to his microphone. The voice was in his microphone. And they said, technically speaking, there was it was no bleed over. It was a real voice that wasn't there singing. And his point was, why do I automatically not believe when something like this happens? Why do I automatically not believe instead?
instead of believing. Just like with Randy Clark. Randy Clark, I'm struggling. I've seen it, and I believe it fell out of her, but I just can't hardly believe her stomach would open up like that. I can see it falling through her plumbing regularly, but I can't see the stomach thing. I'm struggling with it. You know? And see, that's the way we are. And I believe this thing called the Enlightenment Movement is in our bones. It is something that has gripped us. That's why when you go to Africa or some third world country, God does miracles because it's not in their bones. They believe. When somebody says God heals, they say, of course He does. Of course He heals. Because they've seen the dark side. They've understood the negative spirituality. Becky was sharing earlier. Well, let me just tell you the, tell you what happened. Well, anyway, this this was really cool. We prayed. Becky prayed with this little girl. How old was she? Seven. She's seven. You know what she said about the devil? She said, the "Devil's about that tall." That's what she said about the devil. He's about that tall. In other words, the devil ain't nothing. That's what this little girl was saying. He ain't nothing. He's about that tall. You know, if you're a kid, that tall means somebody you can beat up. <laughs> But there's these girls that, that we've met recently, and they were victims of satanic ritual abuse. I don't know if y'all know what that is, but it's bad. It's real bad. In other words, they grew up, as I shared earlier, one of them was dedicated to Satan as a baby. And they grew up in homes where they were sub- subjected as babies and children to being things done over them, satanic things done over them. One of them even had, I think, and I may have said it, but she ran away from her family. She's in hiding. Her family doesn't know where she's at. They're looking for her. They want to get her. They're Satanists. That's how, these are serious. I mean, so they all, all three, and we were sharing about this uh, at Friday night. I was sharing about, I just did a little thing on angels, what the Bible says about angels, because God's starting to release angels all over the place. People are starting to see angels. People are starting to have angelic experiences. Uh, there's people in this room saying, I've been seeing this. What does that mean? It's angels. You're seeing angels. He's, God's manifesting angels right now. Sue Crowley sent me an email back in, in, in Ireland. Where's Mr. The Jewish the Irish Jewish guy? Where's he at? He's not in here. He's, he's got a proud heritage. They were angels. He saw this angel full of, uh, this valley full of angels in Ireland. And a major revival erupted in this place back in the day. And many People were touched by God. You know, God's sending these messengers of His, these workers of His out before He really begins to move. And see, there's people who are saying, there's lots of people, prophetic people saying, God, there's going to be a revival. God's going to do something. And then you hear all these other independent things, like the Jason Upton thing. Is something. God is trying to alert us. He's trying to tell us something. We're living in an hour where God's speaking to us. He's trying to roll back and say, listen, there is a heavenly place. You were designed to live there, and you were designed to perform from there and be from there. And if you'll connect there, that's what will bring the life in you. And it'll help you not to miss what God does and not be this critical person, you know. Uh, Anyways, these girls saw the, you know, they've seen the dark side. They've experienced the dark side. They've seen the supernatural in a bad way. When we were sharing about this, they, one of them saw an angel because they can see stuff because they're not like us. They, they know that the supernatural is real. They don't have this unbelief operating on them. 
Okay? Now, these girls have given their life to the Lord, and they got some issues. You know, they need more deliverance and healing, but they can see spiritually a lot better than most average Christians. And she, we gave her, after I gave a talk on angels, we gave them a chance to people to share. And one lady shared in there how God used an angel in her life to tell her that your husband is having an affair. And if you'll go into your house and look in the middle drawer in the file cabinet under this tab, you'll find the proof. And she goes in there, opens this drawer up, and there's pictures in there of her husband with other women. She had no way of... She had no clue her husband. They were Christians. They were, you know, serving the Lord. And he had this double life. And she found out he was even worse. You know, you know he was really bad. And she got out of the marriage now. But this was an angel that told her all this. She talked this thing. She had a conversation. He, he appeared to her as a homeless person. And the Bible says angels could appear to us in some men. That was her experience. It was pretty powerful. And she, you know, she's, she's a... a uh, a businesswoman in Cornelius. She's not some flake. She's a businesswoman, okay? She's a businesswoman who talked to an angel, and her, the angel got her out of a potentially deadly situation with her first husband. That was, I thought, wow, that's incredible. All right, the next person was one of the girls who had been under the satanic ritual abuse thing who escaped from it. And she said, well, I just saw an angel in here while you were talking. She said, he, he first appeared over in the corner, then he appeared in the back corner. Then he came up to next to you and put his hand on the back of your hand. And the guy sitting in front said, yeah, you kept putting your hand back there, rubbing the back of your head the whole time, because I kept feeling something back there. But you know how you are. You just feel something, you know, you just, you know, you don't know what it is. You just feel stuff sometimes. And she said, that angel had his hand, and then he stopped doing it, and he just stood beside you the whole time he shared it. And then the Lord said, okay, I've, you've seen enough. And he was gone. That was what happened. Now, you may be sitting there saying, I don't believe it. Well, I want to challenge your, you this morning about all this. I want to challenge you that you are being influenced by knowledge. And the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. If I was in Brazil and shared this, they would say, big deal. Of course there was an angel up there. You were talking to an angel, so he came up there and put his hand on you so you'd say the right things. They would believe it. They would automatically believe it. Are y'all with me on that? The Bible tells us this, okay? Now, you know, in this song it says that God wants to give you a new perspective. Okay, that's what it says. God wants to give you a new perspective. He wants to give you an aerial view. The heavens. Okay, that's what it says. That's what God is trying to release. That's why I believe the song's so powerful. Not only because there's angels singing on I think the angels are singing because of what the guy was prophetically singing. He was singing Ephesians. He was singing God wants to give you the view from heaven, the view from where you really are. To see yourself as being heavenly beings. And the angels got in on that and said, Yeah, can't you get what you really are? Human beings, if you just knew what you really are, if you just knew it, if you just knew what the Bible told us about yourself, if you could just embrace that, your life would be different. That's what the angels were. That's why I believe they jumped in on that song. Because the song was telling the truth about us. It was telling us who we really are. That we're really seated with Jesus. We really have God's DNA in us. 
Therefore, we should be like God. We should act like God. We should talk like God. That's what they were trying to say to us. They were saying, get ahead, human beings. And I'm going to let you hear me just so you'll just get back into that world you belong in. Bob Jones, when he was at that conference, you know, he was down there keeping everybody straight. This conference that Becky and I went to. He's flat rebuking them. I got rebuked by him several times. He'd get up, talk about people's opinions. That's what he said. He said uh, he'd been ministering for however long. He said, your opinion will keep you from hearing God. He said the only time he ever went and didn't minister anywhere where God wouldn't tell him what he was going to do is when he had a real strong opinion about the place he was going to. God did some stuff, but he wouldn't tell Bob what was happening. He says, you've got to put your opinion down. He said, I went to this place, and these people were crazy. He said, they were running, trying to run up the wall. I had an opinion about them. You know, and because I had an opinion about them, God, I couldn't hear God. My opinion blocked God out from, being, from me being able to hear God. And what he was really saying is, listen, what you need to do right now, you need to forget what you're thinking about this. You need to ask God what he thinks about it. And whatever he tells you, that's what we're thinking about it. God says, I like these people running up the wall. I do too, Lord. <laughs> I've decided to repent. I've decided to change my mind because these people are crazy trying to run up the wall and they weren't making it. But God somehow liked it. So, hey, he likes it, I like it. I'm with God on this deal. I'm not with me on this deal. That's what he was talking about. And then he talked about the normal things, criticism, judgment, skepticism. And the reason he was saying all that, because I sat there and had an opinion about what was going on. And it was like the Lord was saying, Byron, you forget your opinion, son, because your opinion really doesn't matter. My opinion is the only opinion that counts. It's like I told you last week. In our relationship with God, there's, two people, there's one adult and the rest of us are children. He's the only adult in the deal. And the adult gets to make the call in the deal. We don't. He gets to. So, you know, we were there at this conference. I know I'm talking long, but this is really good. This will help you. We were at this conference, and Bob took us all. He showed us how, this is how you can go up into that heavenly realm. Okay? And I'll help you do that. Well, you can do it anytime you want to by yourself. You can just get caught up in the, before the throne of God because that's where you really are. He's just sort of opening us up spiritually is what he's doing. And he says, lots of times when you do that, you'll get healed. Those people got healed just sitting there. Lots of times, burdens will fall off of you. You'll get some revelation. God will show you things. He'll speak stuff to you or you'll see things. So we sit there, and Becky and I did it. And then we got through. I asked Becky, you know, did the Lord show you anything? And she said, yeah, and he gave me this word. So what was the word? Ground war. No way. No way. Because what I saw, I didn't hear a word, but I saw this. The first thing I saw was a World War One GI soldier in a trench. Then it went from a World War One GI soldier in a trench to a World War Two, you know, tank column of soldiers walking beside it. Then it went from that picture to the Vietnam War of our of American troops walking around in the jungle. Then it went from that picture to uh, the desert war and American soldiers. And Becky said, Grand War. So I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're called for warfare. That's what God's saying. You know, she was saying, I don't think it's good. That's what she was saying. I don't think it's good. I'm sitting there trying to make it good, you know. God's showing me something good about me. I'm a warrior. <laughs> so we're hearing this song. This is days later. 
Some of you have been fighting a ground war. You've been sticking out your fist and fighting. Oh, my gosh. God's talking to me. That's what I thought. God's speaking to me through this guy. He did that for me. He's telling me what I'm doing wrong in my life. I'm fighting from down here. He said, you're tired. The guy says, you're just tired. I thought, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting like that. God's saying that to the church right now. He wasn't just talking to me. I mean, He needed to talk to me, believe me. But that was a word. That's a word for the church. You're fighting a ground war. God wants to take you to a new place. God wants to give you new ears. God wants you to bring into the, to the heavenly realm what, guess who said thousands of years ago? Paul, Jesus. Paul says, it. hey, you're not supposed to be fighting a ground war. This guy didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. That's what made that song so powerful to me. He preached Ephesians. He preached Ephesians to me. He, God's preaching it to us. He's saying you've got to get up into the realm where you belong, into the spirit realm. You've got to get this unbelief out of here, this automatic unbelief. You've got to renounce that spirit that came into our nation when our nation was born, the spirit that says, I don't believe that because knowledge, we can overcome poverty with knowledge. We can do all these wonderful things with knowledge. It's in our hearts. And we need to renounce that spirit. We need to get delivered from that spirit. And we really do. And uh, so I think that's really important. Um, the, I, did I tell you about that? Revelations twelve fourteen. Did I, did I say that? Revelations twelve fourteen. This is what the Bible says. And you know why it's so cool? Because he says it in the song. He said this in the song too. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time it's a long time <laughs> from the presence of the serpent he, this is one of the phrases he said in there I declare over you God has given you the air so fly Revelations twelve fourteen. The church has been given wings. That means you as an individual Christian, you have the power in you to rise up to that heavenly place, to be there, because you're already there. That's why you have the power. I declare you, God has given you wings to fly. So spread out your wings. Shake off the things that hold you down. It's time to fly. It's time for the church to fly. Another great scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like what? Eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All, I'll tell you, the church is full of eagles pecking around in the ground. Forgot they were eagles. Some of you never knew it. Well, I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you, you're an eagle. Eagles are not meant to peck on the ground. They're meant to live up there. You're an eagle. And the way we begin to deal with this, okay, is, I, you know, the enlightenment thing is something I feel like I've, like the Lord spoke to me as an American. He spoke it through me. When Jim said that, I thought, man, now something ain't right about this. <laughs> you know, why they got this belief in the supernatural and we don't? And then someone said to me, Becky said it to me on the phone, it's the Enlightenment movement. That's where it all started. 
So I went back and studied it, and that's the things I read to you. So this morning, we want to do two things. First of all, I want to know about people who feel like they've been in a ground war and they've fight, been fighting, they're tired of fighting like that. Does anybody in here, does that fit anybody in here? Raise your hand. Well, Becky's going to lay hands on you and pray for you because she really has an anointing. We prayed for people this morning earlier about that, and the Lord really touched, is touching people right now, breaking that old fighting your flesh thing off of it, getting you where you can fight in the spirit realm. And the other thing is, for those of you who really thought the Lord spoke to you this morning, okay, is I want us to renounce the spirit that came in upon that enlightenment, that spirit of knowledge of good and evil, that spirit that has attached itself that's in our bones, so to speak. I want us to renounce that. I want us to confess that it's, it's wicked, it's evil, and we repent of it, and we're making a choice to believe supernatural. We're making a choice to live heavenly. Now, if that's you this morning, if you really believe that, this, this is what I want to do. Becky was saying earlier, well, have people stand up. No, I don't want to have people stand up because anybody can stand up. I want people to get brave here. If you believe that's you this morning, and, it, and if it's not you, that's even better, unless if it's truly not you. I mean, because some of you might be ahead of the curve here and have already dealt with all this, and I hope you have. But I want you to, I want you to step forward and I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And it's basically a deliverance prayer. Okay? To deliver us from the Spirit that came in from, from through that age of enlightenment. And it's coming, you know, there's other things. And, you know, actually if you study it, it started back in the 1400s. But actually if you really study it, you really want to know the real origin of it? It was really the real true origin. You can trace it all the way back to one place the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's eaten from the wrong tree. Okay? That's where it all comes from. And we saw it in the Tower of Babel. Okay? We saw it with the Pharisees with Jesus. We saw it, you know, with the Enlightenment. We saw it with secular humanists. We've seen it all these different views of it. It's all the same lie. It's all the same deception that God wants to break off in us today. He wants us to repent of it and get free and begin to live more from where we really are, where we truly are. I'm not going to get you there. You're there. It's knowing you're there and living from that place that God wants to reveal to us today so that we might be the eagles. So, so, all right, so first, that's what we're going to do. For those of you who really feel like I want you to come up and we'll stand, and I'm just going to pray over you. Not over each one of you.